Hey folks, we released the first part of this episode back when Swallow debuted at the Overlook Film Festival, so check the show notes for where the old content ends and where the spoilery content begins. And without further ado, let's get into Swallowed. He might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the- I'm bored. Wait! And welcome back to Horror Queers. It's a special mini-review, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we are discussing Carter Smith's new queer horror film, Swallowed, which just had its world premiere at the Overlook Film Festival, everybody. And as you said, Joe, this is a bit of a weird one for us because this is a film that is not readily available yet. But we thought we'd come in and just offer a spoiler-free, completely spoiler-free review on this film since it's, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And folks, you can expect that we'll have a little bit more coverage of this when it is widely available. So as Trace said, spoiler-free, you can listen to this whole thing and you will only get the gist that you would get from reading a basic review. Yes, exactly. This is going to be really fun, though. I'm interested to see if either one of us slips up and we have to, like, cut things out. (laughs) Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) Well, okay. So, this is a movie... I mean, honestly, I didn't really know much about this movie beforehand. There hasn't been a lot released about Mm -hmm. even the premise of this movie. I mean, it's very just general, you know? Like, oh, we're delving into a world of bugs and drugs and sex. And (laughs) that kind of is what we get here, Joe. But do you have a basic premise we can offer our, our listeners? Yeah, so I'm looking at the IMDb plot synopsis, and it says that the film follows two best friends on their final night together with nightmare of drugs, bugs, and horrific intimacy. And the slightly longer version of that would be that it concerns Benjamin, who is played by Cooper Koch, and he is en route to go out to California to become a porn star, and he is being sent off by his friend Dom, who is played by Jose Colon. And Dom basically says, you know what, you don't have enough money. So come with me on this like sort of circuitous trip into the evening. I'm going to get you some money so that you're fine. And so what it is, is Dom is involved in some shady drug deals involving uh, carrying drugs across the border and that's where we're introduced to alice who is played by jenna malone she is not someone that dom knows and he doesn't entirely trust her but she's like look you wanted money fast so we've got to make this deal so they immediately it's clear oh they're getting in over their heads but they manage to make it over and then things fall apart spectacularly in the back half of the film. And Trace, I'm interested, we're going to start this off by saying, did you like the movie and would you recommend it? But I'm intrigued because this film is super, super queer, Mm -hmm. but it's also a bit more of a crime film than it's actually a quote-unquote proper horror film. You know, it's interesting because you you clued me into this. You watched this before me and you, you messaged me and was like, hey, just a heads up, like this is more crime than horror. And it was funny because watching the first half, I was like, I mean, I see it, but this is still pretty like firmly in horror territory for me. Mm-hmm. And then at th- there there is a turning point, or I'm sorry, the arrival of a character about halfway through this movie or in the back half where I was like, oh, okay. Then it kind of switches gears for me. 
You are correct, but emphasizing the queerness, and everyone, if you don't remember who Carter Smith is, I mean, he is the director of such films as The Ruins or the Into the Dark entry uh, Midnight Kiss, which is also very queer. We've covered both of them. We've covered both of them, and he's also been a guest on our show in our episode on The People Under the Stairs from our very first year. So he had talked to us about this a little bit in our interview with him on our YouTube channel, because we talked to him about a special screening of his first short film, Bug Crush, which was playing a film festival back in January, and told us a little bit about this. And yes, <laughs> he was cagey. Yeah, <laughs> this is a queer movie. I mean, we have a queer protagonist. We do have plenty of full frontal male nudity in this film. Absolutely. It deals with explicit queer characters. So for that, I really, really commend it. And one of these characters, I think it's actually a very nice subversion of the type of character that you would see in this type of film mm -hmm. so yeah i think i think he's done a real bang-up job incorporating a film that is unabashedly queer right but in terms of quick thoughts um i am lightly recommending this one joe okay there's some trepidation in your voice i feel like part of this and we said we're going to keep this spoiler free yeah. i don't think it's a major spoiler to acknowledge the fact that mark Patton is in this film and he plays a character who shows up in that back half when there is kind of a tonal change but i'm wondering is some of your reticence to more firmly recommend the film does it have something to do with what happens in the back half it does. And let me kind of explain where my expectations are with this movie. Because yes, we've gone over the plot, we've gone over the synopsis, and I think the best way to describe this movie is it is Maria Full of Grace mixed with Carter Smith's Bug Crush. Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah, this is a film that, and this, I don't even think this is a spoiler to say, it takes place in the same universe as Bug Crush. So if you have not seen Bug Crush, I would highly recommend you go seek it out. I think it's on Vimeo or YouTube or something, or you can go listen to our, our YouTube interview on it, or you can go read our article on it, because we've also written about this short because it's a very 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 good short that in my opinion is a real showcase for smith's talents not only just in terms of directing but also in the way he can build dread because that mm -hmm. that short film is Ugh. very depressing <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite short of all time yes it's so good and I almost wonder if having seen it maybe set up unrealistic expectations or maybe realistic ones that this film did not fully meet for me because I do think that up until Mark Patton enters this film, I do think Swallow does a very good job of maintaining that dread, that bug crush built up. Right. Unfortunately for me, yeah, once Patton enters this film, the, as you said, the tone shifts and I don't think it really fully works for me to the point where by the time the film ended, I was a bit not underwhelmed, but a little disappointed. And again, it's hard to talk about without going into specifics and spoiler territory. But what I will say is, I think this is a really, really good first half of a movie and a slightly confused and muddled second half of a movie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I did have a slightly similar experience. I'm not as down on the back half of the film. I think I was able to negotiate that transition in tone a little bit more than you. Yeah. And I didn't have the same kind of issues with Patton's role slash performance as you maybe did. And we should clarify, I don't think either one of us is saying it's bad. It's just that it feels kind of jarring because of what we've seen come before it. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, if I had not seen Bug Crush, if I, multiple times, by the way, if I didn't know how Bug Crush made me feel, would I be, like, missing that feeling in this movie? Maybe not as much as I am right now, but unfortunately I have seen Bug Crush, and because Smith has clearly set this in the same world, 
(laughs) It's really hard for me to separate those two properties. Yeah, I think it's also a testament to the front half of the film Mm -hmm. and what Smith is able to accomplish. Like, this is a film that's set in Maine. It was shot on location uh, because Carter Smith, I like to say he's the second best thing to come out of Maine after Stephen King in terms of (laughs) horror content. Okay, but you probably don't actually believe that. You believe he's the best thing to come out of Maine because you're not a big Stephen King fan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Hate mail, hate mail. Yeah. No, I, I just think he's able to accomplish so much with the, like, to me, Bug Crush and also Swallowed is very much a film based around class and people who are desperate. So it's like it's taking place on back roads in the night with people who need to do bad things or who want to do bad things because they are driven by poverty and class and circumstance. And for me, that's where so much of the tension is created in both the short as well as this feature film because i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and there's something really it gets under my skin where i just think these are people who are in over their heads but it's too late to turn back now and the, the crux of this film is the relationship between benjamin and dom and i think both cooper coach and jose colon i think they do really well in, in these roles mm-hmm. it's just again oh god I, I hate that i can't talk about the back half of this movie <laughs> no you can't you can't no i know i know but, but 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 the focus kind of drifts away from their central relationship into something else and it becomes more benjamin focused which is fine it's just, uh, I don't find it as effective. Right. I think it's, again, it's a bit of a testament to the relationship that they very quickly establish in the, even the opening scenes, right? Like, the movie opens with them in a gay bar. We're uncertain as to the nature of the relationship. Are they lovers? Are they friends? Are they former lovers who are now just friends? And the movie kind of delights in playing around the sort of will-they-won't-they they nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I I really think that Smith does a great job in writing, and then I think Coach and Cologne do well to bring these characters to life in a a really easy way. Like, they have such an easy chemistry with one another that when shit does start to hit the fan, you're very concerned for both of them. Now, I will say, though, and it shouldn't be a shock to say that I think Jenna Malone is excellent in this movie. She's fucking great in this movie. (laughs) I love her in this movie because she's not necessarily a villain, but she's definitely dabbling in some moral gray areas where she's like, I have to get this done because I'm a drug dealer. So So let's do it. And there is just a ferocious intensity to her character that I just love watching in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is rough and tumble, Jenna Malone. Like, I think a lot of people will come into this expecting her to be nerdy, like Amy was in The Ruins, or they're gonna (laughs) see her from Saved, where, you know, she's kind of likable, but she's got a bit of a bite. And this is like, Jenna Malone does Alice as having fallen on really hard times like she will do whatever the fuck she needs to do to get the job done and she does not give two shits about these queers yeah this is neon demon denim alone oh yes yes actually that is (laughs) yeah she she doesn't have the same sexual proclivities (laughs) but that same kind of you know what i will throw someone under the bus if it means that i get away and i get my money well and again that that to me it really raised the suspense for a lot of the film because it's like oh like i I couldn't ever get a grasp on fully until a certain point whether she really cared about whether these guys lived or died. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. she just worried about the deal. And we haven't really talked much about the deal itself. And I don't know how much we want to go into it outside of the fact that if you have seen Bug Crush, you probably know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a kind of conventional 
approach to the topic and the Maria full of grace. If people don't know what that involves, it is very much like you consume the drugs so that you can carry them across the border. But obviously that has a certain level of risk and particularly in swallowed. That's also where some of the queer content comes from. And it is abrasive, it's unexpected, it's uncomfortable. And I was really intrigued because one of the reasons that we got to cover this is because the filmmaker and also the PR team were very much like, this is queer horror, we want to get this into queer horror fans first and foremost. Like, they are going to appreciate this film in a different way than conventional audiences do. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this is going to shock some straight folks, Trace. Very, very much so. And again, that's where I'm kind of like, oh, I feel bad that I'm like less high on the second half of this film, because that actually is kind of where we, well, the whole movie is queer, but we <laughs> really start delving into more explicitly, very just queer only type things in that second half. And again, it's a thing where I'm like, oh, I really appreciate that they're in this movie. I think this film does some really interesting choices with typical uh, non queer narrative tropes where it queers them up in a way where I'm like, oh, that is really, really interesting. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that that Smith does that with his screenplay. It's just, again, at the end of the day, I just don't know how the, the, the mishmash of tones here, if the execution is going to work for, as, for everyone. Right. Okay. So maybe to start to bring this to a bit of a close, mm -hmm. do you anticipate that this will, A, play well with general audiences, and B, do you think it will reward repeat viewings? Um, mm, that's kind of a trick. I'm not a trick question, but that's a tough question. <laughs> it's a complicated well, question. Well, okay. So uh, let, just as a move, let's remove the queer aspect, right? Like this is a low budget kind of a, uh, kind of a, there's a low budget indie horror film. And mm -hmm. I don't ever think it's slow. And there's never a point in this film where I'm bored. I'm very much right. invested in what's going on because it really hits the ground running. As soon as we move past this queer bar in the opening scene, so on that level, I think, yes. In terms of the content, though, we're talking about queerness. Um, I mean, like, are we talking like mainstream general audiences or are we talking like horror fans? You know, like I think horror fans will dig this movie. Okay. There is one very explicit scene of, uh, how do I say this without being spoilery, of body horror, let's say. Right. Mm -hmm. That I do think it, that is steeped in queerness. <laughs> yes, that is a good way to put it. And I think that I mean that's probably going to be the if, if anyone has an issue with this film where they're like, oh, that's too much. That's mm -hmm. going to be the one, right? I do think that the film's budget limits some of the of the effectiveness of scenes like that. There are also some things that are off screen because we can't afford to have the effects for those things. And I'm just kind of like, oh, I... You wanted to see it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, look, I know we are dabbling in that. Oh, well, sometimes what you don't see is more scary or it's more effective or whatever. But unfortunately, in this, in this film, I don't fully agree with that. So I think that this will be a really interesting watch. I, I don't know if it's going to be something that people latch onto. Now, in terms of repeat viewings, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen it a second time, so maybe I should go back and watch it again to see if I pick up on new things. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm mostly interested to know if when we anticipate what's to come in the back half, if we can sort of steal ourselves or prepare ourselves like, here comes the transition, will it land better or will it continue to be like, mm, no, I just really prefer the front half a bit more? Absolutely. I mean, that's how it's going to be with most movies, right? Where it's like, oh, we're taking a turn here. And, and unfortunately, at this time, the film doesn't have a distributor. So that, I mean, that's why it's playing the festival circuit, right? To to get the word out. To, so hopefully someone will snatch this up and release it ideally <laughs> later this year. So y'all can all hear us talk about it in more detail. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. 
But what about you, Joe, though? Like, do, do you think how do you think this will play with regular audiences? Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I don't know that this will work for sort of normies. I think horror <laughs> people will give it a sample because Carter Smith has begun to make a name for himself. I mean, this is interestingly enough made out of his All the Dead Boys productions. And we've talked before about how Carter's background is in fashion photography. So he, he's got a great eye for how do things look. You know, he's framing these boys and they're looking very sexy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's a natural extension of the work that he's been doing even on his Instagram accounts. So I'm interested to see if the people who have been following his career are going to latch onto this because it's a new Carter Smith project and it's really exciting. But then sometimes I just think, oh, it's me. I'm just like hard fangirling everything he does. So I'm probably not able to be objective about this. That's totally fair. But you know what? Like both you and I are big Carter Smith fans. We really enjoyed everything he's done or at least liked everything he's done. So and this film is no exception. So again, while I'm a bit more critique heavy on the film than you are, I still I mean, I'm happy this film exists. I'm happy that I saw it and I'm happy that hopefully it's going to come out. So mm-hmm. hopefully someone snatches this up and, you know, it gets more eyes on it. There we go. So I think that's about as far as we can take it without getting into spoilers. So folks, as we said, keep an ear out. We will be back when the film becomes more widely available. Yes. And I guess on that note, we can cross out our spoiler free swallowed. <laughs> Review. Yes, we could cross yeah. that out. <laughs> and cross out horror queer. Okay, Trace, so we're back, and we're now going into spoiler-heavy territory. Yes, all right, so, oh man, all these months ago, let's see if we can remember what we said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's go back to initial impressions. You said you like the front half better than you like the back half, but obviously we couldn't elaborate very much on that. So what is it about the back half that doesn't quite work for you? <sighs> um, at the risk of being a bad gay, mm-hmm. it really is the Mark Patton of it all. And it's not necessarily his performance. I mean, that is it, but it's not necessarily the choices he's making. Okay. This character of his is, I touched on it earlier, you know, where I was like, I, I think that what we have here is we have a character that Mark Patton plays, who is the, the drug lord of the film. He's the masterminder. Right. And... I think what the film is trying to make us expect is, yeah, we're, oh, who, who is Jenna Malone's boss going to be? Like, I, right. Which, granted, unfortunately, if you know the cast, you know it's going to be him. But I had actually forgotten about that when I was watching this movie. So I was like, oh, like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be mm-hmm. some, like, badass lady? Is it going to be some big macho, like, man? Right. And it's Mark Patton playing an effeminate, flamboyant gay man. And on that level, I'm like, that's great. Like, that is mm-hmm. very, very, very cool. It's very subversive. Very subversive. Oh, it's fantastic. But that's kind of where it stops for me, because what Smith chooses to do is write in some dialogue for this character that almost feels like it's written specifically for Patton himself. Uh Uh-huh. And it gives the film this kind of wink-wink meta feel about this character. Because, and again, if you have seen the, the, the documentary Scream Queen by Nightmare on Elm Street, you know Patton's story. You know how he feels about that film and, and its legacy and his career and mm-hmm. what happened to him. And so this almost feels like a big, like, a way for Patton to kind of exercise those demons even more. Yeah, yeah. There's at least two moments. So obviously in the back half, we have... The boys being brought to Rich. Alice is told to leave. Dom ends up dying as a result of the the bug bites that he's uh, sustaining on the inside. 
And then Rich starts to put the moves on Benjamin. So he makes him take a bath, but it's all like gunpoint. But yeah. there's at least two references that to me felt very meta in terms of acknowledging who Mark Patton is as a real person. So one of them is uh, whether or not Benjamin has ever been to Puerto Vallarta or, or somewhere down south. And that's explicitly where Mark Patton spent the majority of like the last two to three decades of his life. Like mm-hmm. that's where he kind of escaped to after he left the Hollywood scene. And then there's also references to riches, I'm using air quotes, experiences living in LA and how hard that town can be. And you're very much like, this isn't rich. This is Mark Patton talking right now. Very much so. And those moments completely took me out of the film. Uh, So I, it's a thing where I'm like, well, not everyone's going to feel this way because not everyone's going to watch this movie knowing who Mark Patton is or what his story is. You know, Uh even if you haven't, if you've seen Nightmare 2 and you haven't seen that documentary, you haven't seen what Mark Patton looks like recently, you may not even realize it's the same person, which Mm -hmm. that might make the viewing experience better for you. But for me, unfortunately, I was just kind of like, oh, like, and again, I talked about this in the earlier portion of the episode where I was like, the dread and the tone of Bug Crush, which is matched for the most part, in the first half of this film. Right. It doesn't mold with, oh, we're doing this wink-wink, nudge-nudge meta-ness with the Mark Patton character. It felt extremely out of place to me. So that was part one of my issue. Okay. Then, I couldn't figure out if the film was wanting us to be intimidated by Patton's character or if we were supposed to find him delightfully entertaining. Because I think... Right. I think in the beginning, it's the former. I think we're supposed think so to feel too. like, oh, it's, oh, 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 it's a flamboyant gay man or guard. You know, oh, God, he means business. That's mm-hmm. it. Oh, my God. So that works. But then, you know, we have, I mean, towards the end of the film when he's like, you done dick teased the wrong queen, bitch. And it's like, right. I <laughs> like, it's, wait, what? It started entering camp territory for me, which mm-hmm. you know me, Joe. I can you appreciate that as well <laughs> as much as anyone can. But again, it was too much of a tonal, it was tonally jarring for me, where I was like, this doesn't feel like it belongs in the same movie, it feels out of place. And unfortunately, and I hate saying, oh, it's because of Mark Patton that the end of this movie really falls apart for me. I mean, the way he gets revenge on him is by paralyzing him and shoving him down an outhouse toilet. I mean, it is sleepaway camp too, baby. Yes, no, it, it absolutely is. And I got that reference, but again, I'm just like, it doesn't match the first half of the film for me. <laughs> it's a challenge right and i think it's one of the reasons why i was curious to know if you thought that this would play better when we know what's to come so i didn't have quite the same concerns as you but i i did note that yeah okay suddenly it feels like the film has taken on a different kind of energy when mark Patton comes in and that's really because so much of the film before it has been not just dread inducing and we're really concerned for these two boys and we're wondering who is Alice's boss, but also it is really building up to this big reveal. So Mark Patton comes in and yeah, he's mincing and he's effeminate, but also he's brandishing a gun. Like at one point he sticks it into Benjamin's mouth after making him disrobe. And you're just like, oh, he's a predatory older gay man who is also a drug dealer and a killer and all of these other things. Like, and all of that I thought was really interesting but the tone does vary wildly as Patton shifts his performance to the extent that I almost wondered you and I have dealt with this personally when we recorded our live episode with him at Fantastic Fest back in 2019. Mm -hmm. I think 
Patton is a bit of a wild card, and sometimes <laughs> I don't know how much you can control him so much as you can work with him. Like, he's going to give you certain things, and you either go with it or you try to get something different out of him. And I wonder how much of this was scripted versus improv. I Okay, it's so funny that you said that, because I watched this with my husband, and he also was struggling with it the same way I did, where it's like, the, that last half we were like, what? What is this? What's happening? Oh my god. <laughs> Who is making these choices? And he looked at me and goes... That's probably all Patton. Like, I can guarantee you Smith was telling him, do this. And Patton was like, okay, I'm going to do this instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. And maybe I'm wrong. Again, maybe this is a collaborative effort between Smith and Patton. We don't know at this point because we haven't talked to him yet as of this recording. Right. But it's a thing where I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm just very confused. Because, again, the work of Bug Crutch is, a, is the work of a film like where I'm like, okay, you, you have an idea and you are really going for it. Like, you're pushing through with this. Right. And Swallowed just feels a bit more confused to me. And I'm I'm surprised to be saying that about a film that's written and directed by Carter Smith. And again, I'm not trying to say I don't like this movie. I do like it. I just I'm I'm not I'm not in love with it like I was hoping I would have been. Yeah, I'll confess that was one of the other areas that I was a little bit worried. Like I literally hit play on the screener and I just said to myself, please be good. Yeah. <laughs> It's partially also that you and I have built up this idea of what a Carter Smith film, be it short or feature length, will be. And in some ways, I I feel like the struggle we're having with this is reminiscent of the Into the Dark episode, Midnight Kiss, where Mm -hmm. it's doing some things really cleverly and really well. And like that one's actually a collaboration between two filmmakers that we really like and respect. Right. So... I can't help but wonder if part of this is that our expectations just weren't entirely aligned with what the finished product is. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I do think budget's a limitation here. You know, I touched on this earlier, but now I can finally go spoilery with it. Mm-hmm. I really hate that Jenna Malone's death is off screen. Yeah. And I was kind of like, that's weird. But then we keep seeing her body <laughs> later in the uh-huh. film. So I was like, well, you had her. Like, I, I guess we just don't have the money for the effects here. Or we're spending all the effects on the bugs. Which, Oh, actually, I'm sorry, Joe. Mm-hmm. We can finally say it's bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably our least successful attempt to dodge spoilers when we kept saying, if you see Bug Crush, you probably know. Wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, so they are carting these drugs across the border, and it's the exact same bugs that we have seen in Bug Crush. So they bite you, you get a high. The innovation of this film is that Rich, the Mark Patton character, has actually managed to find a way to capture their secretions. So you can roll them up into, like, pot or a cigarette or something like that so you get a different kind of contact high he can milk them i think is what he says does say oh my god okay (laughs) we're not ready to touch on just how fucking queer this movie is but i will say the novelty of because you you really think oh okay they're just smuggling cocaine or something like that whatever that's what is going on well, because we see it earlier when Don gets attacked in the in the rest stop by a man right. who's, well, he's being homophobic, but he also seems to want them to suck his dick. A hundred percent. To me, that's like, oh, that's ultimate straight boy material right there, where he's like, don't do gay shit unless you're going to suck my dick. And also, I'll just pretend you're a woman. Well, it's also, I mean, it's at a rest stop, like a mm-hmm. notorious spot for yep. truckers using glory holes on each other. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I really ended up enjoying was this reveal that okay it's not coke it's not heroin it's oh shit these are live beings so when dom ends up getting hit it ruptures one of the sacks and then he's 
basically riding high, but it's to the point where they don't know how they're going to help him because he's completely paralyzed and his body starts to shut down. Um, and his penis is rock hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've said too many queer things in a row Let's to go. not just say. So, Trace, how gay is this movie? Very gay, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I will say that is one of the things that Carter Smith is 100% delivering on. I mentioned in the front yeah. half that they were deliberately seeking queer reviewers because they knew that we were going to respond to this maybe slightly differently than other folks. And I have to say, I went into this being like, oh, I hope it's really queer. Like we've been hearing from Carter himself, from the PR folks, it's really queer. And I'm like, how queer could it be? And I feel like even from the opening moments, it opens in a gay bar. We've got two men talking about their affection for one another. One of them is going off to be a motherfucking porn star. And then, yeah, we're getting full frontal from both male leads. We've got mm-hmm. Mark Patton acting like a queen. We've got, you know, queer icon Jenna Malone. But then also, let's talk about butt stuff, Trace. <laughs> So we we really tried to tease this in our earlier episode, y'all. But yeah, we have um a fisting scene. A hundred percent fisting scene. Like prolonged fisting. Very prolonged, very painful. Um it's I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I can confidently say I have never seen anything like this before. Because I, honestly, the whole time I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, well, they're just going to cut them open. Like, they're going to cut this guy open because that's what happens in Maria Full of Grace with, right. with Grace's friend. Or with Maria's friend. <laughs> but um, yeah, instead they decide to, yeah, fist him to pull these things out, which unfortunately still doesn't really work. Yeah, and it's an interesting, even this is a bit of a reversal because... They have both consumed these. So Dom has eaten, I think it's four or five of these little bags. And then Ben has consumed one under duress because Alice forced him to at gunpoint. Again, she's not a good person. (laughs) (laughs) But you think, okay, it's going to be the queer man who ends up having to be fisted because, I mean, that's what gay men like to do. Things up the butt, right? Mm -hmm. And really, even though Dom has expressed affection and even love for ben up until this point we're sort of nebulous on how he identifies like we we've heard ben say oh well like you're straight but obviously their relationship is more complicated than that but really i would say what we're seeing is a man who probably hasn't had stuff up the butt maybe it's interesting too because i I saw a quote from smith where he was like you know this is the movie i wish i would have had as a queer kid growing up in i want to say the 90s maybe oh my god Uh, okay maybe the 80s um but 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 i was kind of like okay i find it interesting that you know the first short film he does is bug crush and then Mm -hmm. when he really gets to make an unabashedly queer film that that's his own he chooses to go back to that bug crush well right both of which involve queer character Mm mm-hmm and uh, uh, maybe gay, maybe not a uh, friend. Yes. Well, I'm sorry. In this case, it's a friend. In Bug Crush, it's a, it's a new acquaintance. But mm-hmm. I wonder if he's – this is semi-autobiographical. Now, obviously not with the bugs, but with whatever the relationship is between Benjamin and Dom, if there's something here that's taken as a nugget from Smith's own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see it. And that might play into how authentic this relationship feels because – we mentioned it again in the earlier part of the episode, but 
one of the strengths of the front part of the film is not just its ability to create dread and atmosphere as they're driving down these back roads and we're worried that they might get caught and we know something terrible is going to happen because right. uh, that's what happens in these kinds of movies. But the fact that it's happening to both of them and even when they're fighting, when Ben gets really angry at Dom for sort of dragging him into this, there's such an authenticity to not just the performances, but the writing, the way that they're interacting. I fully believe that these two had known each other all their life. And Dom was like, no, man, I want to help you out because you're going to go off and you're going to be great. And I love that that does pay off in the back end, even though, getting way less Dom because Dom is kind of high and out of it for the better part of the second half and that is a loss but his words about how Ben has star power and Ben has to use that to flirt his way out of his interactions with Rich before finally breaking free and then we get this moment of queer triumph at the end of the film right over the credits Okay, well, I, I actually don't love that credit scene, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll circle back to that in a moment. <laughs> but, 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 but what I do love, though, is, yeah, so so many times whenever whenever Ben has to uh, convince someone that he's not a threat, uh, right. be, be it the Border Patrol person or, or, or Rich himself, he he acts more gay or more mm-hmm. effeminate. And I love that reversal of, like, because normally it's the opposite, right? Like, we as straight people, if we're effeminate gay men, we have to butch it up to pass, right? Right. So I love in this movie, it's the exact opposite, where we have a queer character who has to emphasize his femininity to get Mm -hmm. out of tough situations. That is awesome. Well, and even then, you know, as I said, I'm I'm more forgiving of the back part of the film. Like, Mm -hmm. the patent parts don't bother me quite as much. I almost wish that we had to just stayed in a bit more of one lane. Like, is he intimidating? Is he a queen with a gun? Right. That kind of stuff. But I do love their tete-a-tetes as you see, okay, Benjamin's not like the smartest guy in the room, but (laughs) he's got street smarts, right? He's got savvy. And when he realizes he needs to live the message that Dom was trying to instill in him that he is highly desirable, he is highly fuckable, he is charming like people Mm -hmm. want to do things with him and that is something he can use as a weapon against rich that's interesting but it's also like two queens facing off against each other oh it's great it it, uh, it's just like i know that ben's life is technically in danger right but i never really feel like rich is that much of a threat if only because he's so easily duped by ben like you know trying to seduce him I, I don't disagree with you, but I think there is that line that is meant to address it where he, you know, Rich very deliberately says, you're trying to flirt with me, aren't you? Like, it's kind of not going to work. Yeah, but okay, see, I actually read that more as a, I think you're flirting with me, but let me just say it, just get it out there so I can really pick up on it. Okay, okay. I, 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 I don't know, but, but that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, I'm picking it up this way, you're picking it up another way. I think it might be a problem that it's it could be misconstrued. <laughs> mm. um, I, I do want to point out, the only thing I don't like about that ending credit sequence, by the way, okay. is um, mm-hmm. it feels very lifeless. Like, like, and maybe that's the point, but Cooper Coach's performance, he just looks so bored in this scene. Oh. And mm. it doesn't, I don't know, I, I kind of sat there like, why is this here? Outside of, okay, yay, he made it to LA. He got, he's, he made, he's a porn star and he's getting, you know, his squirty awards, awards mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck he's getting. But it just like, I don't know. It just seems like there was no energy in this scene. And it felt like it felt very tacked on to me. And huh. also it didn't seem like he was really that upset about Dom's death. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a tricky part. This isn't the longest film either, so we don't really get to see the immediate aftermath of, like, what happens when the cops arrive. Like, I half expected mm-hmm. Alice to maybe still be alive, but really, we're dumping Rich into the toilet, and then we're, we're done free and out. Yeah. Which I, I can appreciate. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe this is a budgetary constraint where, you know, that's what we plan to do, or maybe we don't need more. But I don't disagree with you that there's less energy in this ending. To me, there was an artifice on display, and it made me instantly think of Brent Corrigan. Okay, you know what? Th- that's a really good comparison. It's not that I dislike the concept of this little post credit scene. Mm-hmm. I just think it needs to be reshot. Okay. So, folks, if you don't know who Brent Corrigan is, I feel like we've talked about him in a previous episode, but he is a porn star who was inducted into the industry when he was underage. He was sexually abused. Uh, He was involved in a famous real-world murder where someone basically wanted him for a rival studio and they killed the other person to get him. That person went to jail. (laughs) Another person died. But, you know, you can see the sort of trauma in his facade like the public persona that he presents is very happy-go-lucky i'm a twink i will win awards and i will look fantastic doing it but it's like it's a falsity right like it's i'm a real person but i've had to dull myself because of the terrible things that have happened to me so for me the post-credits piece doesn't it doesn't play like real until he says like the people who got me here. And you're like, okay, he's referring to Dom. Yeah. And that's the closest we can get to the crack in the veneer. Yeah. 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 I mean, would I, <laughs> would I have liked something better? Would I have liked something more emotional? It's hard to say because. Uh, n- nevertheless, I mean, it's just the button at the end of the movie. It's not a huge deal. It just like, uh, it, it, it's interesting because again, when the movie ended, I was like, oh, that's it. And then it, we get that. And I was like, oh, I did want more, but I didn't really want that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but, but what about okay, what about the way Smith directs this film? Because I do think he has a very, he always has a really good intimate touch about his cinematography, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if there was any doubt that he photographs a lot of half-naked men and like captures <laughs> the sort of realness in it, but also the artifice, like... The way he's shooting, particularly Dom and Benjamin, is you can feel the high fashion in it, and yet it is intimate and it feels raw in a way. Like, I love that this film is shot in Maine very explicitly, and it's all back roads and truck stops and cottages and runs through the woods. So my question, right, so what what border were they crossing? think it was canada okay that's what i th- i was like I, you know when i hear border i immediately think of mexico but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was like this isn't mexico <laughs> definitely not mexico <laughs> sorry continue i i just love that idea oh okay so the bugs are in canada <laughs> yeah <laughs> we are importing from the crime capital of canada <laughs> there's so many trees <laughs> so many trees <laughs> but yeah um were there any sort of like standout moments or shots for you Honestly, um, this is gonna sound gross. I actually really like when we get Dom is in the stall in the rest stop. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable, and Carter Smith doesn't shy away from getting like right. I mean, we're not looking at his asshole, mind you. Like we're not like seeing him like shit these things out. But but we almost are. 
we almost I literally for a second was like, oh my god, are we gonna see one of these things fall in his hand? Like that's that's what's gonna mm-hmm. happen. Um I again I he really likes to pull these, these tight close-ups and especially in again a fucking rest stop bathroom stall. I, I I felt the most claustrophobic in the film in these scenes. And again, I mean we have a threat of a gay bashing here too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I I was trying to figure out because this is still relatively early in the film, I was like where is this going to go? How far are we going to take this? And also, I will confess, I legitimately was not expecting full frontal. I was not expecting erect penises. I know, I know. Look, what, what, I'm sorry, like, what, what a plethora of erect penises we've been getting, right? We got Violation, which is a super sexy God. movie. It's not, <laughs> it's not sexy. Um, we have Possessor with that erect penis. And now uh-huh. we have this. I mean, really, we have unleashed the pain. Like, we were getting limp dick in men, uh, a couple yeah. of other things. It's It truly is the era of dick. It really, really is. And, you know, I I, I expected this from Carter Smith, mm-hmm. but I'm just happy that he followed through with it. Well, and I feel like one of the things that we should maybe put some kind of condition on is, like, there's only one moment where I was legitimately like, Whoopies. Like what we see Dom's heart on as they're taking him out of the rest stop when he is mm-hmm. clearly starting to become under the influence of the bugs. And I was like, oh shit, that's just like a big hard dick. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh shit, that's just a big hard dick. <laughs> Horror course out of context. Uh, but like man. when we get to when we get to Cooper Koch's like Benjamin's full frontal reveal mm-hmm. with Rich at the cottage. I was not excited. Like, I, you know, part of me, the side part of my brain was like, that's a hot man with a dick. Right. But like the circumstances are so different that I love that this was a more nefarious nudity. Like this was nudity under duress. It was not sexy. It was not cool in that regard. So while my, you know, reptilian sex brain was like, yes, dick. In the context of the film, I was like, oh, you've made nudity not fun. I, okay, see, and that's where I kind of disagree. So, I mean, with just generally what is happening, yes, it shouldn't be fun. But again, because of Patton's, I mean, whenever Patton kind of lets down his guard a little bit, when he's like, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, he's <laughs> cleaning out. I'm like, okay, this became more of a, I'm going to say fun, battle between them of like sexuality. Okay, okay. It became more uh, more of like a chess game, which I mean, again, it, it is that no matter which way you put it. But again, because the dread that I was feeling is kind of gone by this point, I was kind of like, ooh, like, let's see what he does. How's he going to hoodwink Rich this time? Okay. I was getting that a bit more in the bath sequence where yeah. we know that Benjamin has found some kind of blade and you're waiting to see if he's going to attack Rich when he comes in. But again, I think the way that Carter Smith is shooting this is like, it looks like it could be a fucking cologne commercial. You're just like, there's a hot boy in the bath. And a part of me even too, I mean, I mean, not to go all the way back to Patton's is like threatening abilities, but it's like, well, am I saying that because he's being effeminate? So my mind is saying, oh, he's not threatening he's not because threat. he's effeminate. Yeah. Or is the film not doing enough to, to, to show how threatening he is or can be? I, I mm. don't know, unfortunately. Okay, so how do you feel about the moments when Ben has to basically run in his underwear through the woods and he's being chased? This is after he, he stabbed him with the tweezers, right? Correct, yes. Um, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I never really thought that Mark Patton was going to catch up with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder if it's just like the disparity in how young and fit Cooper Koch looks yes. compared to Mark Patton, who looks I, no, like absolutely. he's a middle-aged It's not a Mark Patton-specific thing. It's just like, I, I just don't think that this man who is of his age is going to be able to r- catch up with this very fit, soon-to-be porn star who's running through the woods without a wound in his neck. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 again, this is where I'm, I'm really interested to see, though, like, with our listeners, like, what, if they felt similarly to me, or, or if they did find this threatening, you know, am I going to be in the minority here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any other final thoughts about Swallowed? Um, I mean, look, I, I will still go back and sing the praises of Jenna Malone. I think she's great in this movie. I, th- I, I, I do hate that we lose her so early and off screen. Mm-hmm. I feel like it really kind of mutes her, her character's death. But I think she right. makes a great impact on the proceedings. Yeah, a hard agree. I love that she was playing a different kind of role than we've come to expect from her. Like, this isn't sexy, glamorous. You know, this isn't like sort of dowdy every girl. This is... yeah. Jenna Malone fell on hard times. I feel like I already said that. Did you that did, again. but it, it was okay. It was months ago, or maybe even <laughs> or a year ago, depending on when this comes out. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but I I fully agree, and I again I can't help but wonder if it's because we fucking love Jenna Malone, and she is biting off pieces of this set, saying like, "Yeah, I'm this character. I'm devouring this role." So when she's gone, you're like, "Ooh, energy." Because I, I felt sort of the same way with Dom, right? We lose that friendship, and yeah. then we lose Jenna Malone, and then what we're left with is this battle of wills, and if the Mark Patton stuff isn't quite landing, that's all that there is in this climax. Yeah, and and again, I'm going to say one last thing about Patton is that I... I actually like his performance in this movie. I, mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he does a really good job. I think it's. I think it can be funny. I think it actually is funny quite often, right. intentionally so. I just feel it's out of place within the context of this film. Okay. So uh, that'll be my piece on that. But overall, I mean, again, I think this is a solid film. I would absolutely recommend people go check it out. And again, like, I mean, like, when, when's the last time we had a horror film that was really, again, this unabashedly queer? Like, I was mm-hmm. silently cheering inside watching some of this stuff happen. Oh, 100%. There's stuff that I have never seen on screen before. I'm like, how often do we get to say that in the year of our Lord 2022? That's like an immediate star grade, right? Like, it's like, oh, I I haven't seen that before. Oh, there you Mm -hmm. go. Free star. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if part of it is that the stuff that is working so well is so good that the other parts were like, oh, I can just feel like it's just not connecting or not landing quite as successfully. And that's harder to deal with. No, I, I, you're absolutely right. And I will be intrigued to see again when I do watch this again. Um, because that's the other thing, too, right? Because the bug reveal is safe for Act 2. It's like the beginning mm-hmm. of the transition from Act 1 to Act 2. Right. So I wonder how that will play again when you watch the movie knowing already what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, everyone, so hopefully you have watched Swallowed, because we've spoiled the fuck out of it by now, uh-huh. but if you haven't, <laughs> please go check it out right now, uh, wherever it's available, and, um, you know, uh, let us know your thoughts, let us know where you fall on the spectrum of the opinion of the film, and uh, on that note, we can cross out Swallowed. Indeed, and cross out Horror Queers. Horror Queers.